Hello, my friends, and welcome. Welcome to another episode of the Opticast. I'm Christian Volkat, Senior Consultant with Optima Associates, and welcome to the episode entitled Kaizen and COVID. What do you think about all the changes that have been going on brought about by the COVID virus? Massive amounts of change, massive amounts of energy brought about at a global scale. Things that have limited our social interactions, things that have shut down our plants, our operations, our facilities across our own country and around the world. Things that have impaired our mobility. But also along with that, all of us taking in new types of data, reading charts, using new language like social distancing and flatten the curve. All of this happening in an incredibly short amount of time. New ways to think, new ways to behave, new terms filtered in. Radical change brought about in changes in our behaviors in a matter of days. So one of the questions that comes about is Kaizen, rapid change for the better. Is what we're experiencing, what we've been doing for the past five or six weeks, is this Kaizen? Well, today we've got a, a fantastic guest joining us on the Opticast. One who is going to help point us through and uh, help us learn just a bit about the power of Kaizen and what more we can do with our people, with our teams, in our companies, in our homes. Who we've got joining us today is Shingo Prize-winning author Mike Robleski, author of Creating a Kaizen Culture. So before we get bring, bring Mike on here, I want to read you a quote out of his book. It has a wonderful title, uh, or the chapter is a wonderful title, and it says, The Odds Against Survival. And in the book it says, it is not necessary to change. Survival is not mandatory. With these timeless words, W. Edwards Deming invited those wishing to survive and to thrive to embrace change, to embrace Kaizen. Mike, welcome to the Opticast. Well, thank you, Christian. I really appreciate the opportunity and I look forward to having our discussion about this great topic. Fantastic. So what are your thoughts are, I mean, what are your, I'm just curious to know your thoughts on this whole COVID response um, and specifically impacts to managers and leaders. You know, most of our listeners are, are leading small and large privately held and, you know, uh, open companies uh, experiencing vast amounts of change, things that have been imposed on them from the outside, things that were not part of the strategy for 2020. And the need for Kaizen, the need for us to rapid change, to, to get to rapid change for the better, I mean, could it be any more relevant than it is today? I agree. It's uh, very relevant. But first, uh, my thoughts and prayers to everyone that's been affected by this uh, virus, uh, yeah. people who have gotten sick, people who have died, and the families that have to deal with that uh, tragedy. Yeah. Uh, so we don't want to overlook that. But when you go beyond that portion, let's talk about, um, is there a good time or bad time to Kaizen or is Kaizen still relevant? And well, the answer is obvious. Yes, it's absolutely relevant that Kaizen still takes place even in this crisis. In fact, even more so, it's important to have a good Kaizen background to help deal with uh, what you face with in these challenges. Okay, 
And, it, you know, I, I guess it struck me, not initially. Um, I think in all honesty, it didn't hit me until probably three or four weeks in with visits just to the local retailers that I, that we were going to and walking in and seeing that they had made changes from week to week with how, you know, they were getting you, getting you access to the shopping carts or how they wanted you to flow through the store or how they were counting heads, or in some cases now more recently, how they're requiring that you need to um, have a face mask on and how they distribute those things. Yeah, it's been very interesting. And for those that have uh, studied uh, change curves, you know, one of the first things that happen a curve is denial. And then after denial, <laughs> we go into shock and anger, and then you start accommodating. Well, that curve happened very fast Yeah, yeah not sure. in, in the world. Uh, through that. But you, if you go back and think about it, how much denial was happening at the very beginning and then how quick you have to change. And uh, it's amazing if you look at some of the big box stores, the grocery stores, some of the others, mm -hmm. what they did very quickly to try to adjust to what information they had at the time. Yeah. You know, and I think that's really, it's a, it's an interesting point um, and one that is so relevant, not only in a global scale with, with our current condition, but this happens at a micro scale too, doesn't it? Is it the very same thing that we that 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 businesses encounter, uh, manufacturers or otherwise, when new processes are put in place? There is this you know resistance curve that's there. Maybe it's not spoken to in the way you just uh, you know articulated it, but it's certainly there. There's pushback on like this isn't for me. I don't have to do this. Well, yes, it's true. And if you look at it uh, like from Wisconsin as we are, yes. uh, Milwaukee's hurting really bad with uh, the impact there. But if you come up to the Northwoods where I'm at, uh, in my county, we've had four cases and it's been like that for well over a month and a half. So we don't see the same impact as you do, uh, as say Milwaukee's having at this time or some of the larger cities and God forbid like New York City has to deal with their tragedies. Uh, but people even up here, uh, you you don't have full compliance of wearing masks. You don't have full compliance of total social distancing. And a lot of people are saying it's not that bad. Right. So you do have that affecting because they just look around them and they say, well, I don't see what everybody's telling me that is so bad. So why do I have to do this? Right. So talk to us a little bit more. I'm curious to know your thoughts on just the sheer numbers. I mean, clearly bigger cities, more concentrated areas have been experiencing less compliance um, with standards for uh, coping and responding to COVID. Now, is that that's there's some truth to that too, isn't there? Even in if you go back to the workplace, and when we're trying to put in some new processes or new procedures, the more users, let's say multiple shifts or bigger work teams, the more people there are, there's less compliance initially. Maybe kind of give us some insight to that. Well, it's kind of interesting because, uh, as you know, we have these models and these models told us that everything is going to be very bad. And and you have to look at what assumptions they had, what factors they took in place, what data they collected. And there's so many arguments over it. Is the data good or not? Right. So that's causing a lot of confusion. The communication's bad. We have misinformation. Then I don't even want to get into the social media, the stuff that's <laughs> on both, both the fake news, the humor, uh, everything else. It's just causing a major problem with people trying to do the right thing. Okay. Well, what I do notice is that people are trying to do things generally to make people and themselves safe. And they try to do it as quick as possible. So one of the terms that I want to bring out, something called tri-storming. Tri-storming. Tell tri -storming. me more about this. 
Well, we've heard of brainstorming. We go through a process and you try to come up with something bigger. You collect data, you analyze it. It's like doing the PDCA, Plan, Do, Check, Act, and then you calculate your improvements and then you measure it. Well, what tri-storming is, is very rapid PDCA. So what you see that as evidence in some of the stores, like if you go into a, say, a Walmart, you'll see that they started uh, counting people that came in, counting people that go out, uh, making sure people are uh, wearing the proper uh, equipment. Then the next day you see all of a sudden they have shields up by the cash registers. Then the next day you see all this tape on the floor. And then the next day the tape's been replaced with other uh, markers. And then just recently the aisles are now one-way aisles yes. um, in yes. Walmart. And it says, do not enter this way to go that. So it's really interesting. All the things that are being tried to see how we can mitigate uh, the potential harm of having us come together to be in a local place like shopping. Okay, fantastic. So, you know, I'm gonna guess that there's a number of organizations that are out there. Um, uh, maybe some people are listening, some of them are, maybe they're new to this, they're new, they're new to the idea of, cons, uh, of Kaizen. So th what they're doing is they're just kind of, you know, doing their best job at PDCA, but maybe they don't know PDCA. What are some of the quick learning points from your perspective that organizations at large can do, and then maybe we can talk more specifically about, you know, if, if there's separate um, uh, specifics by sector. So let's just start in general. What do organizations who are new to the idea of doing this quick response to put systems and processes in place, wh where can they start? Well, they can start wherever they have the biggest need or problem. That's how we teach with Kaizen. So we have this problem of how to keep people safe in an environment where we want to keep business open. Okay. Okay. Uh, I do see that we have using information that we have, we mm -hmm. plan what we want to do, and then we do it. P and D. We okay. implement it. What I don't see is a lot of the C and A. I don't see a lot of checking that this stuff is even working. So yes. let's use the fun example of the one-way aisles at Walmart. Okay. <laughs> So if you look at that, what okay. is the compliance of people following it? I watched and I saw that it was 50-50 and people yeah. just didn't, either didn't see it or didn't care and went down the aisle. So let's assume the reason why they have that is so that people aren't crossing each other in a shorter or narrower aisle versus the main aisles. Okay. Correct. Yes. Okay. But what yes. happens if you follow the rules and go one way with everybody else and someone in front of you stops? To browse at the shelf. Are you allowed to pass them or not? And if you do pass them, what is the difference between passing someone that's slow in front of you and you want to get by them to get to the far end of the aisle versus someone coming from the other direction? So that's yeah. an example of we have something we put in place, but we have no clue if it's making the impact that of solving the problem. That's, that's where the C that's where the C comes in. We need to follow up and check and then adjust or act to make it standard, this is what we want to do going forward. I don't see that. I just see people making changes. Okay. So, see so, so let's let let's let's help let's help some of the managers and the leaders that are out there that have to do this. You know, and I'm thinking that, you know, there's right now there's dozens and dozens of our clients right now are looking for ways to put in place um, where employees simply enter the building, what they have to do to get, you know, punch in or or get their clothes changed or that sort of thing. And what they're taking into account is exactly what you've outlined here. How do we put in place a process where there could be deviations in process? How are we going to make this work? 
So what would be some good pointers as, as you, you point out some of the issues with this? What would be some things that, that a manager or a leader or teams that, could, that are working on this could, could employ? Okay, great question. What I would first say is you as the leader, you don't have to have all the answers or solutions. Okay, okay. so it's about you being the problem solver and you saying I must be creative and therefore implement an idea. So you did say it, teams. Get the employees involved and work together to say, what do you think and have the collective brain power of the group to decide what would be a good idea and then try it and then get feedback as to did that work or not work and how can we make that even better? So it now becomes incremental improvement daily. Ah, yes, yes. And so let's say for, a, let's say, um, um, I'm curious to know what you think, you know, how often, what's the cadence of review? When should, if a company is brand new to this and they're looking to put something in place, how often should they be checking and in what sort of data types should they be looking to verify that what they're doing is working and it's effective? Well, you can do it immediate uh, where you actually implement something and you watch it if you can uh, quite rapidly as, as, as it's happening. But okay. I would say at minimum, you should do it daily. So speak to leaders, maybe who have never done this before. Um, what should be what should they be communicating to their people if they're in, let's say if they're in, you know they've been put in, in charge or they have the responsibility and accountability of putting in place this new system a new standard maybe again maybe they're brand new to the concepts of kaizen and pdca what advice would you give them with how and what should they be communicating to their teams so that this works well, there's there's a couple things that should be uh, set up at first. One, you cannot do this unless you have trust built between you and your team. The second thing is you have to be honest. Uh, if you don't know, say, I don't know. Um, yeah. Basically say, I help together to go forward to do this and let, let us try this together and learn together. I think okay. if you go with that approach, you have a, a better chance of making a team improvement. Okay. Okay, great, great advice. So beyond that, so to let let's get down into the practical pieces, the the solutions that that organizations try, the do portion, right? We have the planning yeah. portion up front first. So understand what your biggest problem is. Is it flow? Is it bringing employees in? Um, you know, and for right now, that's a challenge for most organizations, and I believe that's the case in just about every sector. Um, you know, how do we get folks in and out of the building in a safe um, productive, meaning not slow, not constrained fashion. So what's the do? Talk to us about the do piece just a little bit. What do we need to do in order to do the do correctly? So, so basically what you want to do is make sure you understand the problem. Is it the speed? Is it uh, safety of employees coming in? Is, is making sure everybody is healthy and not sick coming in? How do you segregate that? So if you identify the target, you can now decide, is this action going to actually improve and check to see if it does. And there could be a, a, so many solutions that your team can come up with. And I would also suggest is don't wait for a lot of data to say, this is the one we want to do. Try yeah. them all. Try yeah. them all. Yes. Isn't that, I mean, is you and I have been doing this sort of work for uh, more years than we care to account for. And isn't that primarily you know, one of the fundamental underlying issues in organizations, large and small, practiced and, and or brand new to this, is the reluctancy to try, you know, and, and they don't try enough, right? And if that's one central message that can be a carryout 
um, to people, to all organizations doing this, large and small, doesn't matter what sort of work that you're providing, what sort of service you're providing, when it comes to doing Kaizen, is simply to do more, correct? Absolutely, and I think you hit it exactly correct. It's the try part. All you have to do to be successful in Kaizen is try. It's yeah, not yeah. about perfection. It's not about you know making sure that I don't look stupid or that I fail. The whole idea is you try something, you learn from it, and you improve from that at yeah. each and every time. That's why yeah. you want to do it incrementally. Yes, yes. I think one of the key pieces, in fact, I just I think I read this late last year, was an article by um, someone you know as well, John Miller of Acad Gemba Academy fame. And it was um, an article, an older article I think he posted on one of his blogs uh, sites, and it was about Kaizen. And it's about how the, the, the very idea of Kaizen has been somehow corrupted, you know, and it has to be these events that seek perfection in one to five days. And how that's not what it is at all. You know, Kaizen is a mindset. It was never meant or practiced by Toyota and others. It was never meant to get to the ultimate, you know, in one event or one activity or even a series of activities to go, yep, now we're done. Kaizen is a mindset, isn't it? Tell, tell us what you tell us your perspective on on Kaizen. Kaizen basically is a ideology or a thinking where you're always focused on making an improvement. Each and every effort you do, each and every experience you have is to how can I make something easier and better and try it going yes. forward. And it, it has nothing to do with being perfect. It's all about trying to become perfect. It's the journey of becoming perfect, not being perfect. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, trying to be perfect, understanding your problems. Tell us maybe just uh, your thoughts on problem solving, the structure of problem solving, and how that relates to the need to, to, to put in place something that's more effective. So what are your thoughts on problem solving and linking problem solving efforts to PDCA? Well, the, the interesting thing is that we were taught PDCA, Plan, Do, Check, Act, yes. is a very simple cycle of how to solve problems. And we got really good with Kaizen thinking. If you practice it, yes. and you become what we call that, that bad, badass problem solver. So <laughs> if you are that, use that superhuman, that superpower that you have, put your cape yep. on and go out there, teach it to others, and help people people become very good at solving problems. Okay. From that, you have to do all four steps. Plan, do, check, and act to be complete. And I've, I've said many, many times, and as we've uh, taught together and going forward, most companies just do the planning and never actually act and change everything. Yes. Or all they do is a shotgun yes. effect where they plan a little bit, and it's like, let's do something, let's do something, do something, but they don't ever check. So what if you just do P and D, you got PP and doo-doo. So it's really just a mess. Yeah. So you have to do all four parts of the cycle. And I think it's really important that you do link the improvements to did you make an impact? Okay. And build from that experience. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious um, also to know your thoughts on, you know, there's some there if you go out there right now in your communities. Um, and even, you know, right now, benchmarking is completely like out of style at this point. But in some ways, there are some benchmarking opportunities. You've got some of us go into and we see that some, uh, in this case, most cases, retail places or even healthcare facilities 
have some pretty good standards for how they're managing the flow in and outbound people uh, coming through their facilities. So any sage advice? I mean, you, you've, you, you yourself, you know, you're up there in the North Woods in Wisconsin. Uh, you're traveling around in limited basis, probably just for, you know, basic stuff, essential needs. Um, and, you know, keeping in mind who uh, all of our clients that are out there, yours um, and, 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 you know, the people that might be working or coming back to work, you know, where should they start? And I'm thinking, you know, a message to senior leaders and then maybe a separate message to the managers, right? The folks that have the responsibilities, accountabilities of frontline service and frontline product, you know, the manufacturers on the front line. So let's talk about the leader group first. What would be something, an essential need for them in terms of Kaizen? What should they take into account as they're powering up their facilities again? Make sure that as you're going forward, that you build the trust. That trust is very important going forward, as we mentioned earlier. Yes. Um, also realizing you have to set expectations going forward. So some people are saying when we get back to normal, yeah, <laughs> this is such a significant impact that I don't think we'll ever get back to normal. Not completely. Yes, yes. So embrace that. Embrace that the fact that we may not get completely back to normal as it was before, but we will get better and we can yes. change and adapt. I think the technologies of doing things virtually is a huge opportunity that we could do. So I'm actually getting requests from clients to say, how can I leverage this remote working from home virtual approach to this is how I want to run business in the future. Okay. So, and before I used to have people that totally fought the idea of remote workers. Oh. Well, just think about the impact of uh, brick and mortar offices, uh, structures, uh, the whole element of how we can do things and the fact that, oh my gosh, you know, I don't have to have someone working in downtown Dubuque, Iowa. I can have someone in Washington or, or California doing that job because we're remote. Yes. So it just opens up the realm of awesome opportunities. Embrace the potential for those opportunities. Oh my word. I think that, you know, that alone, that topic alone um, remote workers and managing and, and how to how to weave them into a culture that you know uh, I, I was recently in a, uh, a consortium call last week and the idea that there's dual cultures that are being formed. I would love to have an exploration of that topic. You know, this idea of two cultures purely because one is virtual and one is on site. I'd love to have you maybe rejoin us here on the Opticast just to explore that one just a bit and to see, you know, what lessons are there that we can carry out of what we know about culture today, traditional way, you know, traditional, you know, we talk about lean cultures or cultures of continuous improvement. You know, how is it going to straddle these, this idea that maybe there's two cultures? Um, I'm going to ask that maybe you come back for another one of the Opticast and join us. Could you do that, you think? Oh, yes, I'd love to do that because that is certainly a larger topic than what we have time for here today. And it'd be yes. great to discuss and explore and, and talk about how the potential of this opportunity is. But just start with this baseline. Yes. Your role as a manager is not to control your employees. Your role is to develop the employees. That will not change if you're here remotely or not. So. Yes. The problem is we, we as managers don't know how to do that. Yes. We're not comfortable with that. 
But if you take away the thinking that I'm not here to control you, so therefore you don't have to be under me or around me, or I can watch you, uh, monitor you, manage you, but I'm here to develop you and go forward, I think that would open the door for this new world of having more remote virtual employees. Fantastic, fantastic. Mike Frobleski, author of, a single prize winning author of Creating a Kaizen Culture. Thank you for joining us today here on the OptiCast. Oh, fantastic. And we look forward to bringing you back. So where can folks find your publication if they're looking for it? Well, it's on Amazon. Uh, so if you go into Amazon, type in uh, Creating a Kaizen Culture. Of course, it's not an essential publication, so it's going to be delayed. <laughs> so don't expect next day delivery on that. But it is available on Amazon, uh, print on demand. Uh, I would be glad to answer questions. I, I'm on LinkedIn. If somebody wants to connect with me on LinkedIn and, and discuss things, uh, I'm certainly available to help anyone who's willing to learn. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you, my friend, for joining us here today. Uh, for those of you listening, we would love to hear you, hear from you at the OptiCast. Love to hear your comments, uh, your thoughts about this particular one. You're welcome to reach out to us at opticast/optimanow.com is the email address, and simply mention the episode uh, Kaizen and COVID if you'd like to send us uh, your comments. Uh, in closing, we wish that you uh, continue to embrace and explore and discover what Kaizen offers you as leaders and managers. Use those techniques and tools. You can use them in your own private life as well as your professional life. May you be filled with the spirit of Kaizen. Thank you. <laughs>